With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. What up, everybody? It's your boy, DJ Slick, rocking it here at 815, doing with the RSG Real Sports Guys. Right about now, you're about to be presented by the sounds of MC Rothfuss and DJ Easy Enough with all that. Enough with all that. Enough with all that. This is DJ. What? No, this is still D. This is this is everybody else. This is all that other stuff. This is this is one mic, y'all. This is one mic where you got your man, the man D. Wills. You know, I just needed some space to breathe, y'all. You know, I'm I've been hanging out, thinking, driving, and I said, you know, I wanted to just find some space where I could just talk. You know, if you are unfamiliar with real sports guys, we are real guys who talk real sports. We have a number of podcasts. And when you listen to us, you know, think of the year as like an album. And each time we do a segment, whether it's Inside the Park with Hank or just the mothership when I have my guy, uh, the game changer, Mark's the game changer, and still PhD, uh, uh, the sports PhD on, um, and we're we're doing our segment. Each each segment we drop is like a is like one more song on the album. And so if you're going to our realsportsguys.com and you click you hit get us hit us up on Twitter or Facebook or even if you're downloading a lot of folks download the podcast on iTunes. You're going to get a series of podcasts throughout the year. Hopefully that year will tell a story about our perspective. One mic is just one more. Uh, opportunity like that. And so I'm excited today because, you know, this, this is a space when I'm hoping to just, you know, the things I just talk about, you know, those of you who know me know that, um, you know, not only am I an avid sports person, I was a student athlete, um, something that I do for my research that I'm really interested in what is happening in sports, but I'm just a straight up fan at the end of the day. Um, and so I'm the kind of person that's just going to have fun with it. And I want to create a space where all my worlds come together. You know, it, I, I might get too deep for some of y'all. I'm philosophical. That's why I got the research stuff. I might get a little crazy over there. That's for the cat sitting in the barbershop with his headphones on, saying, yeah, that brother said it right. And there are other times when I'm going to stretch us to uh, think differently about 
uh, what it is uh, we're going to do. And then from time to time, I'll have um, some of our RSG uh, personalities join me for this time or uh, some of our, our major contributors like I have today. I, I'm excited. My guy, Teron Briggs from Boxing.com and um, Examiner.com, uh, you know, we're, we're a site where, you know, we're kind of like we, we, we frame ourselves as um, sports radio's version of the wake-up show. You, you hip-hop heads, you know, remember, uh, you know, King Tech and Sway before you had Sway in the morning. The youngins are listening to Sway in the morning, but back in the day, folks were listening to King Tech and Sway. And they still got their new version coming out, their more recent remix version uh, coming out. Uh, they do now, but it's the place where, they, you know, Eminem was there first, or, Biggie was doing some of this early stuff was there. So you have all these MCs that that's where they went before y'all really heard them in broad distribution. And we do that for folks. And Teron Briggs is someone that will be that kind of person. He's going to turn up TV one time and he's going to be on Showtime uh, box, Showbox. He's going to be on, um, you know, featured uh, uh, HBO uh, because this is a, a guy that oh, not only knows boxing, but he knows sports. So I'm looking forward to having him on a little bit later with us and um excited about that. Um and so, you know, there are times when I you know, you know I might have a game changer on here, you know, breaking down his whole philosophy around when shares. You know, he always has something. Uh PhD, you know, he you know, he is he studies, you know, this is this is a guy who's very analytic uh and studies uh, but he got a little qualitative to him as well. But he, he really thinks things through and it's always a good perspective. Yeah, many of you are longtime listeners. Remember my guy and our good friend Ray, who's, as we say, been on sabbatical, um, but um, we'll be bringing him on the on the show as, as some of our, our other folks. And then you never know. You never know if PhD might branch off and do something. Because we like Wu-Tang. You know, you might turn it on. You might drop it just to see, oh, hey, this is game changer by himself uh, on his own. You know, you're gonna hear, you might hear that. We're not quite sure if we're going to let Justin go. You know, PhD. I call him the Dr. Dre. You know, he makes things happen behind the scenes. I don't think he's gonna let Justin drop his album anytime soon. You know, he watched Justin's like that great young MC. He might say something you don't want him to say, so we might put him on short kind of thing. But he might, you know, everybody else might drop that hour segment. He might be dropping that fifteen minute segment. So we know, you never know what's gonna come out of his mouth. But he definitely can hang with me. And so that, you know, we're going to have some fun uh, with this um, and uh, keep this ball uh, moving a lot uh, today. And, um, and uh, you know, at, like most of our shows, we'll develop and, and have some segments uh, uh, coming on that will be uh, things that will hit some specific kinds of areas uh, going on. But there's a lot going on in sports right now. You know, the habitual line stepper. See, we, we call these things before everybody else calls them. See now the world, you know, when you end up on when you end up on NBC Nightly News with Brian Williams, you're the lead story before ISIS. Like when you're the lead story before ISIS, you know you're in trouble. Like when you are the person they talk about before they talk about the folks who are actually doing damage to folks on the world, you know if I'm your attorney, I'm saying get ready. Now we've been talking about Goodell for a long time, and I'm going to say this. I, he has done a lot, uh, and the brand itself grows itself. And but he plays a role because the owners are, are defending him, and, and the product is strong. And you can't argue that. Um, I think where 
we've always uh, struggled, and, and this is one of the things that I want to hit on today, is this concept of due process. Like, we have lost the concept of due process. People who have been historically marginalized, marginalized understand why due process is important. But we've gotten to this point where we've got, because we don't spend enough time building our own capacity to have difficult conversations, the easiest way to do it is napalm everything. And just crush everything so you make sure you take care of it all, rather than really nuancing. So what makes Sterling different than Danny Ferry? You know, what makes some of these different things? And so part of the problem that people have had with Adele is that you, you can't understand the flow of his decisions and how to do process works and things don't add up. And, you know, you have people who are involved in domestic violence situations. They get two games. And then you got folks over here who are doing something that people might think is less of an offense, and they get six games. And, um, you know, you have this, you, you know, you have this situation in New Orleans, and you're throwing a book at them, and you told Sean uh, Payton that, you know, ignorance isn't a reason for not being punished. You get him out of the year, but now you're trying to defend yourself like you didn't know. Now, Sean said he didn't know, but then he lost it. He, he, he was out for a year. You say you don't know, and then we're all supposed to forget it. And so that becomes a challenge when we talk about the habitual line stepper because much like some of the challenges we have with the NCAA college sports, these things don't add up. And I think most of people, American people, can live with the fact that we just say we got a problem. We don't know how to fix it. We're trying to figure out how to fix it, but we admit we got a problem. Like, we know that these athletes are not making the money they should probably do, or we're not compensating them, or we're not really covering cost of attendance the way we need to, because every other student on campus gets that. It's not, they're not, the athletes are not getting any special favors. You know, they're only getting what every other student who goes to a public or private university gets. They get cost of attendance. And there's no weird thing about disadvantage for a kid who goes to Northwestern. For, that's the same thing for the general populace. We have students who get academic scholarships who are recruited like athletes, who they don't have those same conversations with about that. So, so when we don't have due process, when we don't think about some of these things, when we don't understand the processes, people get mad. And, you know, I've been a leader in a lot of positions and have understood, you know, that reaction and had to reflect on it because it's a tough thing to juggle as a leader and I understand that. And that's why you always try to get good people around you. But now Goodell finds himself as a lead story before, before, ahead of ISIS. But you got to work hard to be lead story on NBC Nightly News with Brian Williams, who I love, ahead of ISIS. I mean, you've done something real bad and significant. And so what's going to happen with him? Well, the problem we have is the NFL's framework and lens for making decisions has been around money. The protective shield is really about protect the vault. It's about protecting the economic generation. And so that becomes a challenge when, when you are trying to make decisions might have a moral ground or setting to it. And so there goes your dilemma, because if all your decision-making has been through this certain framework, now you've got to make a decision based on core values and everything else 
Now you in you in a quandary because you, that lens can't work for how you might work with the Dell. It's not going to make sense. So the the owners have to are supporting him because this person has kept them out of a lot of different stuff. Has been able got them through the whole uh, concussion and and everything else with the least amount of damage. Um, negotiate that. People don't know how huge that is. In a general, like, you know, even having a baseline understanding of how we're going to do it on both sides, in which, you know, he doesn't get enough credit for that because there are certain things, if you're a car drive, race car driver, if you're certain kind of stuff where there are hazards associated with that activity. And the NFL, frankly, as someone who played football, putting it tough, because we all know it when we play, we know the likelihood, we know what's going to happen. We, we are aware of all of these things, and a lot of this stuff has to do with our will to win as athletes, to be there, to extend ourselves probably longer than we need to. So it's a very complicated issue, but he found a way through it. So now you have this issue, and and it's, and it's where sports and society comes together. And this, all it does is it demonstrates the fact that we have not, as a society, prepared ourselves to have these difficult conversations. And so when you add that ingredient of sports in it, and you have fanatics Fans, fanatics, which we all are, who really love sports, our judgment, the way we look at it, gets warped. Whether it's, you know, the women wearing jerseys supporting Ray Rice and justifying, you know, why he should have been able to hit her, <laughs> to 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 why owners you know, have figured out how to justify, even though they said they got the, the videotape what five months ago, um, that you know it wasn't his fault even though he used that same uh, lens to sit uh, Peyton out for uh, a year and miss a whole full year of coaching. So that money will cloud the judgment. And so the NFL is going to be in a tough position. But it's good for us to go through these things because it allows for people to calibrate, to get back to norm where we think we should be. At some point, you get to that. You get so big that you go, you forget how you got there, and sometimes you got to be brought back to the middle. Can he survive? Somebody gonna take the hit. Person in the mailroom, uh, you know, uh, assistant, because the person who did it, if it doesn't come, it was in the security side. The person who got the tape, in my mind, and I could be wrong, and maybe it's come out already. I haven't seen it. Is on the security side. Because there's somebody over there who who knew who got a buddy who worked in the thing, gave him a call and say, "Man, can I get a look at that?" You know, that it's a, it's a it's a it's a brotherhood. It's folks know each other. Hey, can I get a look at that? See, I send that over you, man. Don't let anybody know I sent it. He saw. He's like, "Oh man, I can't show this." And he held on to it because he knew how damaged it was for the league. So somebody over there in the security side, probably wasn't the head of security, but it's somebody because there's a whole group of folks who got relationships. They they hang out together. They you know they're in New York City in that whole area. They all hang out together. They know each other. Somebody somebody got that information uh, from there, and that's how it got over into the office and got the voicemail of the secretary. Boom. So they know they know who did it. They know who got it. They got that. So they're they're, they're gonna you know they're gonna have to. Uh, you know, figure some of this stuff out and and kind of work through. But at the end of the day, will the game be bitter on the other side? I think what's going to have to happen, and we talk about a lot of this stuff that's complicated, is that 
Um, there are a lot of things underneath this, whether it's what Ray Rice did, whether it's the NFL's attitude towards women or just NFL ability to negotiate really tough social issues that have no boundaries, will show up in your stadium. It's going to be important that these are learning moments. And these things for the young people who end up being veterans in uh, the league, this stuff starts in what we do with them when they're young people, what we do with them in college, the kinds of things that we force them to come to terms with as student athletes. So there's that, that piece that at every level of coach that's worked with most of because usually the coaches are the important figures in these person's lives, even when they, even if they have a two pair home. And so there's that piece. There's a the piece that how's that reinforced when you get to leave, even when you got money, you're taking somebody from being broke to being a millionaire. And what does that do? So you got all of that in it. And then you've got an organization that has to understand that they have, they can't just say that they have this social responsibility and they just can't get money to a cause. They got to figure out how they, how they, they, they exhibit that through how they handle all these issues and who they have on their boards and who they have helping them make decisions moving forward. So a lot going on. We obviously would talk about that. We'll talk about that on our other shows uh, and everything else. What's up? Danny Ferry. My goodness. Never met Duke. Now the question is, was it a scouting report that he just read again and then read it? We heard it, you heard the audio tape, looked like he was just saying it. There were so many other ways to get at the issue that he probably was trying to get at. Does that raise to the issue of Donald Sterling in terms of where he is? Um, he shouldn't have said it. <laughs> but and he's smart enough. He's a smart guy. He should have known he shouldn't have said it. And then you hear the guy, guy like he's gonna end up on TMZ. I mean, it, it does he need to be fired? Uh, you know, I think he needs to be handled, heavily disciplined, suspended. I don't know if he needs to be fired, but I think it understands the power dynamics that exist in sports. You know, the majority of the executives, you know, NBA's done a really good job of trying to diversify, whether it's men, you know, trying to get more women and everything. But in pro sports, the decision makers are still pretty much dominant white males. And I'm not saying that against white males or not. I'm not trying to, but that's a cultural context in which people look at things that they think is funny, what they think is okay. And until you create that, and this is a guy who has a, a, a very diverse, from my understanding, friendship group. You know, and so these are probably things he probably sit around and Billy King, and you know, they laugh around all the time because in locker rooms, you laugh about this stuff all the time that you can't do in these settings. And so, you know, is this something he should be fired for? You know, I'm, I'm not. I'm probably not that deep on that, but but it is something that he needs to pay attention to. And they should have had a much more. If you listen to our our, our last podcast we had when I, on the big show, I was saying that they needed to have a more sophisticated conversation about how do you build a brand in a transient community like Miami, like Atlanta, like Phoenix, where people most of the people don't aren't from there. They moved there. How do you brand that? Because if anybody's been through Atlanta, to Atlanta, particularly with uh, African-American communities, there's plenty of disposable income. It's where they're going to spend their money. You know, some people, you know, Atlanta's got a proliferation of other kinds of clubs down there where people spend money. You know, Atlanta's got uh, entertainment. Atlanta's like L.A. they got a lot of stuff people can get into that's always coming there all the time that, that impacts whether or not people end up going to the stadium or whether they end up 
you're watching it from home. You know, their direct, their direct TV subscription might be way up. Cause a lot of people are trying to watch their Yankees because they're from New York. So they're trying to watch the, uh, the Cubs because they're from Chicago. They're trying to watch the Bears. You know, they're not really going to watch the Falcons or the Hawks. So they're trying to watch the Bulls. So how do you create the experience? How do you get people to love? What's your marketing band around a, a community of transit? And one that might be younger, whatever. That's how sophisticated. You can have these things across segments and demographics. But you got to be a little bit more sophisticated in how you handle that. All right. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG. This is one mic. If you want to check this out, uh, uh, go to realsportsguys.com. You can uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we're brought to you by uh, On the Rocks, uh, uh, Excel Academics, uh, Prejudice Accounting, and our man uh, uh, LR at Resistance Digital Solutions. Uh, this is D. Wills again, one mic, and uh, this is one of our new podcasts. As I said before, it's like we drop an album, we drop an uh, 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 album a year with several songs hitting you. Uh, don't get caught up in dates and whatever our live. If you want to catch our live podcast, you, you'll see some notifications around that. Uh, but you can always catch us on iTunes. You know, I, I hear people, you know, listen to it when they're working out. They uh, they lie more, cutting it, uh, whatever they're doing. Uh, you can always do it on your own way. So uh, we're going to have my man, uh, Teron uh, uh, Briggs from Boxing.com, uh, joining us uh, here pretty soon to talk about the big fight tonight, as well as a whole bunch of other sports. You know, he's an up-and-coming cat. I'm looking forward to him, and so he'll be joining us uh, soon. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Um, but uh, got a lot going on. I want to hit a couple points before uh, Teron joins us. Now. Some of you played football out there, and you had a quarterback who you felt like was playing for the other team because you like they just can't keep throwing interceptions like that. Like there there isn't a there isn't a way in which they should be doing that. Tony Romo is that guy, and I was trying to figure out like what would you call a quarterback that you know we already got twelve man taken up in Seattle for the fan as the additional one. We can't give that person that name. What we call quarterbacker or uh, uh, strong quarter safety or uh, what do we call it? Because Tony Romo, you can't – so we have people who say, well, we're too hard on Tony Romo. The difference between – Tony Romo is a good quarterback, being a great quarterback, and a lot of people try to push him towards that great quarterback potential. And the difference between being a good quarterback or average quarterback and a great quarterback is you don't throw that pass, that interception, right? And so if you take somebody like an Aaron Rodgers, he throws that interception maybe once every two, three years. Brady throws that interception maybe once every five years. Tate might throw a little more frequently that interception every two years, maybe in Tony Romo throws that interception three times a year for the last six years. He'll have a duel going with uh, Peyton Manning. He'll be throwing for 340 yards, three touchdowns, and then he'll throw that interception with less than a minute. To and that's the difference. And when you throw that interception, the kind of interceptions he, he was throwing for week looked like he was, you know, he might have been point shaving. He wasn't point shaving, but he, he is something about him that gets him so ramped up. Now, he's a Midwest kid, so I got a lot of love for him. I want to see him be excited, came, uh, being successful, came from nowhere. So I got a lot of that. But, but you can't throw that interception. That's the difference. 
And if you're going to be great, you can't do that. You know, the only person I've seen really get away with that interception because he just had overwhelming success is Brett Favre. Brett Favre used to throw that interception. I was was at the game in Philly where he threw it up in the air like it looked like a punt in the playoff game. Um, I think with Freddie Mitchell, you know, the people's champ, you know, got 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 the big catch from Donovan and and closed the deal on the fourth down and long. But, you know, Brett threw that interception. And Brett, but Brett had Brett's won enough big games, got a Super Bowl, where you can, you can build some credibility around throwing that interception. So I worry, you know, that they're going to have to figure that out because they don't have the luxury. The defense actually played well enough for, for them to win. You think they were going to give you anything. They gave you enough to do something, and he hurt them. And uh, he's got to really work around. And some of the criticism he got some from the defensive player, as a defensive player, you do, you get frustrated. You don't mind if somebody makes a mistake trying, but you can't keep throwing that interception. And so he does that over and over and over again. And at some point, he has to be accountable for that. You know, Jerry can't be keep bailing him out. All the coaches can't keep bailing him out. So somebody on his team got to challenge him, like, you got to start stop making that interception. It's not that you throw the interception early on, but you make that critical turnover. That can't be you. That's got to be someone else on the team. You know, somebody catches it and fumbles, that's them. But that can't be you. You got to, you get the ball to them. And so it, it, it throws me off. It, it, it's crazy. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I'm trying to find a name. And so hit me up at, at R-S-G-D-L-W-I-L-S, D-Wills, and – let me know what should we call quarterbacks that look like they're the 12th person on defense. Give me your name. What do you want to call it? Quarterbacker? Quarter safety? Quarter lineman? What do you want to call it? We can't call him 12th man because that's already taken up. Hit, hit me up at D-Wills, at RSG D-Wills, and let me know what we should call that person, who that quarterback, who those that is. All you teams and players out there know that quarterback. Well, you look. You both look at you. Y'all look at each other like, is he playing for them? You checking their bank account? Like, did he get any money off this when they throw that interception? So uh, these are the kinds of things I notice. A little crazy, a little different. I need to stretch and, and talk about that. Well, we're gonna pay a few bills. I'll be back after. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upstate technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So, what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at resistancedigital.com for your custom technology solutions today. Yeah, check my boy. Check my boy LR out. Uh, this cat helped me out tremendously. Incredible heart. Uh, follows up his service. He's trying to build. Again, people start with us. We're loyal. We're trying to help them get to the next level. Um, uh, he's also been on the show. You'll probably hear him come on with me. Uh, has great about sports and uh, uh, whatever. I hope your fantasy leagues are going well. You know, um, 
because mine is I had a crazy week. <laughs> um, took another chin, and I got too smart. See, don't get too smart. I got too smart. So, and I went away from my one thing. You know, I'm a Steelers fan. Folks who listen for a long time know that. And I usually avoid drafting a lot of Steelers, um, defense or whatever. I just stay away from that. Uh, but this one, I, I did draft Ben because I felt like Ben is going to do something. And actually, I like the way he's been planning, throwing, not moving around. I mean, I like his sharp throws. There's some things they need to work on, but I, his, 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 his mechanics look much better this year. But, you know, I figured Cleveland at home, they still got the debate going on. I figured, you know, boom. And then I got Matt Ryan, and I'm thinking, you know, he's facing, you know, a, 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 a Ryan coach defense in New Orleans, who could be an Achilles heel for people. And I'm thinking, you know, he's going to have a big year, but maybe this might be a struggle. And Matt Ryan goes off. I mean, he was a 35 from certain leagues in our league, and, and you saw the Steelers struggle. And the feeling you have when you see that many points sitting on the bench and you see how far you down and you just know if you just had that person in the lineup, you're going to win. Y'all know that feeling. It, it's a, it's the, it's the hardest feeling to deal with. You feel helpless. You watching the points go up. The points are going up every time you check. It's like your stock. The, the, the points are going up, and that you can do about it. You just wish you throw an interception just so you feel better about it. But it just looks so crazy. And so you know, Phil PhD, the sports PhD, and uh, Marcus, they gave it to me in the last podcast. Probably so. I mean, I haven't really won my championship since 2011. You know, I'm, also, I'm starting to feel like Jerry Jones right now. You know, I'm getting to that Jerry Jones. I got a lot of seconds and thirds, so I'm always in the mix. You know, but it's been a few years since I won a championship. I'm not going to say Jerry Jones. I'm more like Belichick. You know, I got the respect, but we still haven't won. And so uh, I got to correct that this year. And then I, I've been a commissioner for the first time this year. So I did the draft with the commissioner. So I had to really learn. I, I We had the, uh, yeah, the auction draft. And so there's some things that I've, uh, done that uh, are, are really are really crazy this year, and so um, it's. It, it, we'll talk more about fantasy. You know, if y'all can hit me up on uh, at RSG D Wills on Twitter and, and give me some of the, the the ways in which you do what you do to help me think through my fantasy game. You know, let's all help D Wills get back to his championship form. That's what we're gonna try and do. If this show does nothing else, it helps me get back to our championship. Well, I'm going to drop a little bit of something here just to kind of keep things going for you for a little bit. And then when we come back, we will bring my man in, uh, Teron Briggs, to talk about Big Fight Tonight. I know all y'all talking about it. I'm excited about it. The Money Man, Madonna, Madonna, uh, the whole crew. This is good. I watched the way in. I'm feeling good. Uh, But after the break, we'll come back and and hear from a person who who really thinks about boxing inside and give us some sense on what's having the world of boxing, what's happening with this, and, and also some other things in sports. See you in a minute. Right about now, you're about to be possessed of the sounds of MC Rothfuss and DJ Easy
just to get down. I'm not internationally known, but I'm known to rock the microphone because I get stupid. I mean outrageous. Stay away from me if you're contagious. Cause I'm the winner. So not a loser. To be an MC is what I choose. The ladies love me. Girls adore me. I mean, even the ones who never saw me like the way that I rhyme at a show. The reason why I'm mad, I don't know. So let's go, cause... try and bring it to you, get you going, feeling good about this. There's a big fight going on tonight. Anytime the money team is leading stuff, the energy's wild. If you've never I've been I was in Vegas one time for and I'm gonna say the music, I have to make sure I say the music was brought to us by DJ Slick, my guy. My guy, DJ Slick, great stuff. I was there for uh uh uh, Floyd fight, and the energy is off the hook in Vegas. For it was a fight with Zab Judah when they jumped in the ring and had the big fight, the battle. But the energy, I had, it was at the Thomas Mack. I had never understood it. But this guest we have on, he's been around this boxing game a long time. And like I said, you know, we like we like the wake up show. You know, it's like you know. Uh, Back in the day, Sway and Tech, you know, M used to come on, Biggie, all these cats before everybody else knew him used to come on. And then when they saw him, but they still come back to the studio, they still go back to the wake-up show even when they big. 
And that's what we love about this relationship as Teron Briggs from Boxing.com is coming on with us today. He will talk a little bit about what's going on tonight. We're going to talk about the world of boxing, the state of boxing first. We're going to get in that. But what y'all don't know about this cat, you follow him at Teron Briggs on Twitter, is that he's, he's, in, he's in the sports game. We're going back and forth. He was on me because I, I, we'll talk about this later on. I was led astray with my picks. I got real Midwest on him. And so we, uh, he, he, he took a gentle on me as, as my team took a, a kicking last week. But it's good to have you on, brother. How you doing? Hey, good morning. I'm doing well, man. How you doing, brother? Man, I know, I know your energy in your world. The, the Twitter world is going crazy today. The energy is going crazy. And, you know, we'll certainly get into the events of uh, today because this is, you know, a, a, a big uh, fight that we, we, we definitely want to talk and break down. And we'll, we'll definitely get into to, to some of those things. But I want to start a little big picture. Um, I know we had some movement, I believe that was with HBO in terms of executive leadership. There's some things that look like might be smoothing out between Top Brink and Golden Boy and some of the other things. Is the Cold War in boxing over? Are we on the verge of seeing some really big fights happen with some of these shifts in leadership and, and some of the pieces? Or is this thing going to continue to go farther and make it more difficult to make some of the fights we really want to see? Well, I think the key word that you said there is verge. Um, nothing is official yet. Uh, Kevin Iole of uh, Yahoo Sports did a, uh, a article this week um, discussing uh, a recent meeting between Oscar De La Hoya, you know, the, uh, the CEO, the head of uh, Golden Boy, uh, which is arguably the uh, number one promotional company in boxing right now, and Bob Arum, who is the head of top rank, arguably the number one promotional company in uh, boxing right now. And they, they recently had a meeting. Um, uh, what, what was discussed there is, is still unknown. Uh, we know right now that no fights between the two uh, promotional companies have been, um, have been made, but it's uh, certainly a big step that they, that they sat down in a room and just, and talked. Um, so it's just a matter of when is the, uh, what fight and, and when will they actually just, um, get together and, and, and stage a, a, a co-promotion? Um, but it does seem like that is something that is imminent. Uh, and I think, you know, once, once that first co-promotion happens, that'll sort of be the, uh, the kickoff of, you know, what I think a lot of boxing fans, boxing insiders as well, hope will be, uh, you know, a, uh, relationship going forward. Um, because it's been, it's been to the uh, detribute of the of the sport that the two companies for the last few years have not worked together, have not been willing to do co-promotions and, and match their fighters. Uh, so hopefully the, we're on the verge of something uh, something big happening between the two. For people, I mean, you're an insider. So, you, I mean, you talk to people. You know, a lot of us are going our day-to-day lives. What was the origin of even the beef? You know, what was the origin of not doing co, you know, co-promotions? Historically, people, have, you know, have not liked each other. Uh, Don King and other promoters, I mean, they found ways to get deals done. What, what's, why hasn't this happened? What's the origin of the, of the whole thing? Well, many people trace it. I mean, there's no – it's hard to really 
say the official origin, but um, it basically seemed to have happened sometime in or around 2011, I would say roughly, when um, when Manny Pacquiao, uh, basically his contract with Top Rank, uh, you know, Top Rank had promoted him since he uh, since he burst on the scene uh, years ago, and his con- his contract with Top Rank was arguably over, and Golden Boy signed attempted to sign him at least and top rank ended up um coming out and saying basically you know this is uh you guys signed a fighter who was signed to us and you know you're there's a, a a huge uh lawsuit that was brought and huge argument but basically the fight started because golden boy because top rank felt like golden boy tried to infringe um on their what what they thought was a, a contract that they had with Manny Pacquiao, uh, and and that was that 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 basically started the fight. And since then, um, it's been pretty much all downhill. Uh, the companies have uh, you know have, have basically refused to do any sort of uh, promotions together. Unfortunately. Okay. Well, we hope we hope that is 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 uh, 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 coming to end. There's another player in this. Like, what, what role does I mean, Floyd, uh, Floyd's brand from a promotional thing. I mean, tonight we'll, we'll talk a little bit about him as a boxer uh, tonight. But um, uh, his role as a promoter is also playing a role in some of this now, right? As he's trying to expand himself in the promotion side, what role will he play in the game as it moves forward? You know, it that's yet to be seen. Um, he he just recently he's had a promotional company uh for for quite some time but they actually haven't been licensed to promote fights uh as crazy as that seems okay. so the, he he's he's had the the company may uh Mayweather Promotions formed but and whenever you you know whenever he does a fight uh whenever Floyd is fought you'll he's he's fought underneath the uh, auspice of Golden Boy which has been the the lead okay. promoter and the promoter of record but you you always see Mayweather Promotions, but Mayweather Promotions actually doesn't even have a uh, a legit license in in Las Vegas to promote fights um, up until up until recently. What role will they play? That's yet to be seen. Um, they haven't staged any any major fights yet. Um, a, a lot of people wonder will they actually whether or not they'll actually be a factor um, in the sport. Uh, that's like I said. That that's very much yet to be seen. There's a lot of a lot of questions about that. Um, he's got a certainly got a couple of fighters signed to uh, Mayweather Promotions, or you know, people believe are signed, but no major fighters. A couple guys uh, like Jay Leon Love and a couple of other mm-hmm. guys who fight under the TNT banner. But they've uh, that, that's a that's a huge question mark uh, right there in terms of. What role will uh, will they actually play in the uh, in the big picture in terms of uh I mean the right now the biggest talk is about Rock Nation um they are they're if if you, if you want to discuss uh, the biggest sort of new new mm. promotional company in the sport Rock Nation is the uh, is the one that's um that's garnered a lot of headlines and a lot of people are talking about I mean anytime Jay Z obviously is uh, involved in anything it's going to uh, it's going to garner a lot of headlines. It's going to get a lot of talk. Um, and Rock Nation is, is definitely, in terms of new promotional companies, is, is the is the one that's uh, everyone is talking about right now. 
And what's great about that, I mean, and I, I think, you know, you think about the role of 50, and I think that might have even studied, studied uh, Floyd's plans a little bit. Uh, when you think about the role of 50 and Floyd could have played together and, you know, whatever it is that um, caused them to, to go separate ways, they could have been a powerful pair. But when you think about 50 and you think about Rock Nation and you think about New York and fertile ground for catching people early, and you think that think about that whole kind of tri-state area of potential talent um, without going around the world. If you can research, that, that could make things even more dangerous. If you think about it from that perspective. I mean, Jay-Z's reach yeah. is global. 50's reach, they're global. But they also are natives of an area that has a very fertile boxing space. Yeah. Right? Yeah, would, yeah, yeah. Would you so, say that? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I mean, uh, uh 50s promotional company is is licensed in New York. They've staged uh, a, a number of of fights in the uh, in the tri-state area in New York. Um, none have been major fights. Um, he's yet to he's sort of he's yet to actually be the lead promoter for a premium cable fight. So you, there, there hasn't been a fight in which 50s com- mm-hmm. company um, on HBO or Showtime has uh, has led as the uh, has been the uh, the promoter of record, but they have certainly done quite a few smaller cards in and around the tri-state area. They've built some relationships with uh, some venues to stage fights, and it's 50 cent. You know, um, anytime you're a fighter and, you know, obviously it's called prize fighting, and yes, guys right. want to make money, you know, and they want to they want to get recognition, and when you align yourself with someone who is, well-known, you know, like a 50 Cent or like a, a Jay-Z and Rock Nation or like a Mayweather, Mayweather Promotions, it's going to bring instant uh, media attention to you. So, uh, you know, a guy like 50 Cent coming into the in, into the boxing game, to the promotional game, he's instantly going to, uh, you know, get a, get, a, get a reputation. He's instantly going to attract a lot of fighters who are going to say, oh, wow, you know, if I, if I align myself with 50, you know, what, what kind of publicity? What, what kind of big fights? You know, they're thinking this is gonna this is gonna lead to something um, you know very lucrative potentially. So let's turn to some boxing a little bit. Last weekend, I mean, we had some we had three boxers that have different stories fighting in U.S. Bank Arena in Cincinnati last week. You had Lucas uh, Matisse, you had uh, uh, Andre Berto, and you had Adrian Broner. Um, and I really enjoy watching this card. It's one of those things where, I mean, to be able to watch it, like in, a, in Cincinnati, to see a card like this um, in Cincinnati is a treat when you can get boxing out of the kind of the Mecca environment and get it into some of these other communities um, uh, and, and see it. But, I mean, it's, that was, that's a great card to watch. I don't know if you had a chance to watch some of those fights, but um, what we, let's break down each fight, you know, in terms of from your perspective and what it means for these boxers in terms of what you saw. Let's start with the Matisse, then work to the kind of the Andre Berto, and then let's finish with the, uh, Adrian Broner because I, I think I really want to get into, you know, what you think he is in terms of his psyche. But 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 walk through the card and kind of your perspective and what you saw and the stories and how they evolved. Definitely. Well, I, I think you touched on a key point there. Um, and a lot of uh, a lot of boxing insiders, uh, you know, people in the know, um, it was a great thing. Anytime you have a, a boxing card that's staged outside of a, a casino venue, um, 
it's I think it's good for the sport. You know, like you said, this card was staged in Cincinnati, um, the hometown of uh, the main event fighter Adrian Broner. They uh, they reportedly sold something like uh, six or seven thousand um, tickets to the fight, and it's just it's just a it's a good thing for for the sport. It's a good thing to to bring the fights outside of casino venues because a lot of times casino venues, you know, you get you're getting um, a lot of gamblers and stuff who are comp tickets. Um, but when you when you bring the fight to to arenas that are you know especially the, the main event fighter or so and so is the the hometown guy, you get a you get a whole dif- different atmosphere. You get true boxing fans a, a lot more. I mean, not not to knock the uh, the casinos, but you get guy you know you get fans who are truly um truly support the fighters who come out to see the fights um the card was unexpectedly good uh well the main event was unexpectedly good a lot of people looked at the uh, the papers on uh looked at the fights on paper and felt like they were mismatches um like you said Andre Berto one of the um most uh well-known fighters in the sport uh made his return after um after suffering uh a tough loss to to uh almost a year ago and also uh, apparently in, having a bad injury to his shoulder he he returned to the ring and he got a um to be honest a not very spectacular uh decision over mm-hmm. uh pretty much a club fighter this guy Steve Upshore Chambers a guy who many people um thought was going to probably just get knocked out um a lot of it was mm-hmm. looked at as sort of a showcase fight for Berto to to return to the sport um, after being off for for over a year, and he he dominated the fight, but he didn't really look that impressive, unfortunately for him. Uh, you know, like I said, because and it's always hard whenever you're whenever you're in a showcase fight or a fight against someone where everyone expects you to beat, it's it's sort of hard to impress. Um, you know, sort of coming out knocking a guy out in the first round or something, but the expectations were very high for Berto in that fight, um, and he really didn't—he didn't impress much. Uh, he, he got the—he got the W. There was no no question about the decision. He certainly won the fight going away, but he didn't—he ex- didn't show a lot of the explosiveness that um, that that he had displayed earlier in his career. And uh, a lot of there are a lot of questions about his future in the sport going forward, and whether or not he can actually be a, a a major player. You mentioned uh, Lucas Matisse, uh, who who also fought on the card. Uh, he got a very. Um, there was a uh, a lot of people were looking forward to seeing him fight. You know, he's he's most known for his uh, his decision loss to uh, Danny Garcia um, last year on the uh, on undercard of a a Floyd Mayweather fight, which was uh, one of the best fights of the the year in 2013. Um, he lost a 12 round decision to Garcia. He beat a guy. Uh, unknown guy, um, Roberto Garcia. I mean Roberto uh, Ortiz, excuse me. He uh, the fight was very controversial, ending and that the uh, the referee ap- appeared to not allow Ortiz to have a, uh, a a full ten count. I mean, you know, you don't have to, most people. Uh, <laughs> he stopped it at nine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you saw that fight, right? Which was, which was kind of crazy. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know if. Uh, you know, listen. I, I I studied Spanish in high school, but uh, I thought I always thought Nueve was uh was nine. Um, 
but and in in boxing, ten is supposed to be the uh, the the count that you're counted out at. But it surely seemed like he said Nueve nine and basically counted this guy out. Um, so there was some controversy there in in, in regards to that ending. But uh, Matisse landed a, a awesome um, uh, body blow that that dropped Ortiz uh, and he was just and he he appeared to get up and beat the count. He the referee um, waved him off, uh, you know, waved the fight off. It was a it was a good good victory for Matisse. Um, Matisse had one fight after the uh, Garcia loss. Um, that was a that was a, a tougher than expected fight. A, a win over uh, a ten round win over um, Molina, which which he knocked him out. Um, but for Matisse, basically there there there's going to be a, a big fight for him in the future. He's he's managed by um, one of the biggest names in the sport in terms of managers. The biggest name in the sport actually, Al Heyman. Um, and there's a lot of talk about. Al was like the Godfather, man. Al Haley was like the Godfather. He just be smiling and making money. Man, I it's crazy, him. man. It's crazy. Marlon Brando got got nothing on this guy, man. <laughs> he is. Oh. Uh, I think they're saying that he's. Uh, you know, I saw an article recently that said he he had signed um, right now in his stable. He had something like 120 plus fighters right now. But there is there is. You, you know, a lot of people you you throw out the term arguably someone is arguably you know so and so or you know top rank is arguably the biggest promotional company. There's no arguing about that the fact that Al Heyman is the biggest um, manager in the sport and he manages Lucas Matisse and the guy that you also mentioned uh, uh, who headlined the card in his hometown in Cincinnati, Adrian Broner. Um, Lucas Matisse called out Adrian Broner and said. I want to fight him, um, uh, and Adrian Broner called out Matisse and said, "I want to fight him." Uh, so Broner got a, uh, a much-needed victory in the uh, in the main event and and what was one of the the best fights of uh, 2014. He uh, got a got a 12-round decision over Emmanuel Taylor, who's a uh, Who's a good fighter? Um, not a. I don't think any. I, I, I no really one like him. He's, he, he's twenty-two you, you like, years you old. Like who, uh, Taylor, really Taylor, Taylor. I mean, he. Yeah. He, when you watch him, he has a sharpness to him, and his, his for a twenty-three-year-old in that environment, he was composed. I left very impressed about his future. I, I mean, I'll let you go in it, but I was. Yeah. He impressed me in a way that I did not expect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You and everyone else. His, he, Taylor lost the fight. He lost a um a twelve round decision, but his stock certainly improved because he uh he acquitted himself very well. Uh, a, a lot of people thought that um that he was you know that it was kind of a showcase fight for Broner. Broner is uh is still sort of uh Broner's like I said is managed by Al Heyman, and he's still um he he suffered a tough. Uh, 12-round decision loss to Marcos Madonna, who's uh, obviously fighting um, Floyd Mayweather tonight, and they they're trying to sort of bring Broner back, you know, um, after suffering that tough loss, uh, trying to bring him back to the top level. And Emmanuel Taylor was considered a guy who was a tough fighter, but not a top-tier fighter, not on the level of uh, Madonna or you know a Lucas Matisse, and you know, 
hey, hats off to um to Emmanuel Taylor because he came and he fought like a guy who was a top tier fighter. You know, even though he might not be considered one, um, he came and he gave uh, Adrian Broner all kinds of hell for twelve rounds. He, like you said, he his composure. I mean, he was fighting in enemy territory. He was fighting in Cincinnati, yes. in Adrian Broner's hometown, and. And if you if you looked at his you know looked at his face his demeanor, he was man he he was focused bro he was focused yeah yes I I, yes. I, I, I so agree with you there and and he you and, know and I had to fight yeah when Broder knocked him out when Broder knocked him down in the twelve that that was one of those moments where you say if he go if Broder's gonna realize his potential this was the moment this young yeah. man when giving up and when he hit him. I, you know, there's a times and fights where you yell. I'm sitting there and I yell. I, I thought I was wake my wife. Up. <laughs> I yelled because it was such a spectacular shot. I mean, this was technical. And then he hit him with that. And that, and that, I looked at Broner in a different way. And what I thought was special about him that separated him from Floyd a little bit that he had some Floyd tendencies. But what was great about Broner, he's not afraid to brawl. And but yeah, you're right. I mean, I I jumped out of my seat literally. Like yeah, this is the yeah, yeah. That was that twelfth round is is, is going to be in contention for uh for round of the year on a lot of um people's scorecard. Uh, you know uh you know when the, when the year is when the year is finished and and people look back and they name you know fight of the year, round of the year, fight of the year. That's certainly going to be in contention because the twelfth round of that fight was excellent. I mean if you're if you're a, if you're a fan of boxing. Uh, if you you were watching that fight, it was it was hard not to be excited. The, the guys exchanged some uh, some hellacious blows, man. And then, like you said, uh, uh, with just a little bit of time left on the clock in the twelfth round, Broner sealed the sealed the victory for himself when he knocked down Taylor. Um, after I, I thought that Taylor had won the round, to be honest with you, up until that point, I thought that he yes. dished out the most punishment in that round, and and Broner literally. Uh, literally took the took the fight when he when he knocked him down and uh you know hey hats off to him it was a you know it was a close fight to that point um whether you had Broner ahead or you had it dead even uh or even maybe possibly Taylor ahead it was it was certainly close and even though it was um it was in like I said it was in Broner's hometown so he could have just as easily have sort of tried to skate to the victory and just assume that, you know, the judges, I'm in my hometown and, you know, the judges are going to give me this fight. And he didn't, you know, so hats off to, to Broner in that regard. He came out in that 12th round and he fought to, to win the fight. He, you know, he didn't, he didn't just try to, um, you know, you see sometimes you, you see guys just hold on and try to get the, the decision victory. He didn't, he didn't hold on. He, he went out there and he tried to win the fight. He tried to knock out Taylor. Taylor tried to knock him out. And uh, like I said, it, it turned out to be an unexpectedly uh, awesome fight, man. And, and, and do you think, I mean, one of the things I've noticed, and I don't know if you just, I love kind of watching, because, you know, you, you understand this, you watch enough fights, you can see the evolution of a person. I saw the braggadocious Broner with better timing around his braggadociousness, meaning his stuff was appropriate. His ring walk had what it needed to be, but there was a business-like approach to him in the ring and through kind of the interview point that was different. Did you notice that at all? Yeah, I mean, I think the, 
you know, he was a guy who was, you know, a lot of people were saying, uh, maybe only a few people were saying was the next possible Floyd Mayweather that, but they or the next superstar of the sport. And when he lost last year to Marcos Maidana, um, you know, I think he he thought he was the next superstar of the sport. He thought he was the next Floyd Mayweather. That that was a huge awakening, you know. Anytime a guy suffers his first loss, um, you know, a, a lot of times it it can sort of wake them up and realize that oh wow, I'm not as you know, I'm maybe not as good as I thought I was, or maybe I'm not approaching this game the way I I need to. And 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 you did see that a, a little bit more with him. You saw him acting more like a professional, sort of not you know. In a lot of his previous fights before the Madonna loss, he had kind of you know. He just rested on his his talent. I mean, because he's an immensely talented guy. Talented guy. He's got you know great hand speed, uh, very good power. But a lot of times, you know, he just sort of he he thought that oh wow, you know that that's all I need. You know, I, I'm so talented. I don't really need to work too hard. And I think the McDonald loss made him realize. Uh, and then also having uh, Floyd Mayweather as a as a kind of mentor in the sport, he realizes that you know it's about hard work and dedication. Like Mayweather says, you know, if you don't you can't just uh, rely on your talent. You gotta, you gotta put the the work in in the gym. You gotta be focused because, you know, anytime you're a star, anytime you're a guy who's a main event fighter, and you're fighting a guy like Emmanuel Taylor. Taylor came in there and he wanted that spot. He wanted, you know, he, Emmanuel Taylor wanted to be a star. He wanted to knock off Broner. And if Broner wasn't focused and and wasn't concentrated, then you know he could, he he could have he, he would have gotten gotten his second loss. Uh, last weekend. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. You definitely see uh, more professionalism. I think you could still even see more from him, um, and I think he's going to need to display more as he well, – now that he's going to probably start fighting top-tier fighters, especially if he fights a guy like Matisse, uh, who, who's nicknamed the machine and, and is one of the, the biggest punchers in the sport. He's going to have to even show more professionalism um, as he approaches a guy like that potentially. All right, you listen to Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. Um, we're here with Teron Briggs, and uh, we're going to take a break and come back and, and get into the big fight and, and much more around sports with uh, Boxing Insider from Boxing.com, uh, Teron Briggs. What up, everybody? It's your boy, DJ Slick, rocking it here at 815, doing the RSG Real Sports Guys. We're not against we're not we're not we're not we're not against we're not against we're not we're not against rappers we're not against rap we're not against rappers but we are against those thugs thugs You're listening to uh, uh, RSG One Mic. It's with D. Wills, um, brought to you by XL Academics, changing mentoring with a world-class cloud solution. XL Academics is connecting the world through mentorship. Learning more, learn more about XL uh, University product line by going to uh, realsportsguys.com and clicking on the logo. 
Contact us at realsportsguys.com if you'd like to be a sponsor for the RSG movement. We're also brought to you by On the Rocks. On the Rocks is one of Rockford's, Illinois' newest sports and urban entertainment establishment, place where you can go get some food with a little southern charm, enjoy watching sports, great R&B music. Go to realsportsguys.com, click on the On the Rocks logo. Tell my man Craig and the folks over there who got some really good food that the Real Sports Guys sent you. All right, we're back here. Uh, my guy, Ron Briggs, who is the, is the man, the man. I, I love following him. You got to follow him at, at Teron Briggs uh, 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 on Twitter. Uh, great follow on another a number of, of, uh, of levels uh, that I think is uh, important. Um, before we get into fight, there's a couple things that I want to get your opinion on, and then we'll, we'll get into, you know, analyzing the fight what you thought about the first fight, what you think needs to happen with their fight plan as they uh, try to get to this fight, and then we'll get into some, some other things around sports that I know you and I have gone back and hit on Twitter, and I've watched some of those things I think you have had reactions to as well. The game is shifting around a lot. People might not be paying attention to boxing a lot, you know, but this kind of pound-for-pound pound list is, is kind of like that gatekeeper for who is what, when, where, what, and how it all shakes out in terms of the boxing game. I know as insiders, you know, it's kind of like, you know, um, you know, sports folks who are ranking college football, they're on their own, and the power rankings for NFL, y'all kind of come up with your own kind of pound-for-pound. Y'all have y'all sense for who, what. Who are your top ten? Who's your pound-for-pound that you have in the top ten? I got to say, D, I'm not a big top ten guy, man. I'm not a big pound-for-pound God, man, uh, I, so not, let's, to, let's, not to rain let's, on your parade, bro. Hey, I respect, you know, and, and there's certainly some noted, uh, um, there's some noted boxing writers who, who have top ten things, um, you know, and, and it make, to me it makes sense sort of in, in college football. It makes sense in, in a lot of the sports. But boxing is so unique with the different categories, the different weight, you know, the weight mm-hmm. classes. To me, it's almost impossible. I mean, listen. Yeah, you want to do a – I'm not going to do a so, top so, 10. So let me do, let the me, best let me, fighter let me, pound for pound, pound right this. now is Floyd Mayweather. There's, I don't, I don't think anyone – Let me give you another that. way of doing it. Yeah. Let, let me give you another way to do it. Let's, okay. let's do it like a shirt size because I, I respect <laughs> what you're saying. Let's do it like a shirt size. So if you are saying small, medium, large, so you, you know, if you broke boxing into like these smaller fighters, so, you know, who's your elite, like, you know, if you chose – you could whatever cutoff you want to do all the way down to flyweight or whatever the lowest weights are. And then you got this kind of middle round that's kind of weltered through light heavyweight or, or if you want to go, you know, light welterweight, however you want to look at to, you know, light middleweight or whatever. And then you got above that kind of that range. If you were dividing them into those kind of categories, which I think would be, you could see people crossing over into each other in different ways. Like Roy Joe Jr. went up to heavyweight. Wait, was kind of fixed and whatever, but there's a range where they're in that same ballpark. If you were kind of going small, medium, large, if you were picking people out of those categories, how would you do it? We might even come up with something new off this. You and I might do this. Come with our yeah. own new way to do it. It's <laughs> what we do at RSG. Let's, let's play with this, man, because you and I will come back and we'll develop our own metrics on this. There we go, man. I, I, on, I respect man. that. I respect that. Listen, <laughs> you Large, you want to say large? Listen, large is basically yeah. some of the best fighters in the sport. Um, 
Uh, obviously, Floyd, Floyd Mayweather is one of them. Uh, Manny Pacquiao is is a large. Um, Andre Ward, though we've seen him fight so infrequently in recent years uh, because he's he's currently battling with his um, his promoter uh, Dan Goosen, so he hasn't fought in uh, and I think it's almost a year now uh, or maybe more. Um, but he's he's definitely a large there. Um, Adonis. Uh, Stevenson, um, the light, the WBC uh, and and ring light heavyweight uh, champion is uh, is probably a large. You know, Vladimir Klitschko, uh, the the reigning heavyweight champion. I, I don't even know what which belts he has exactly, uh, but he's certainly the class of that division and one of the the class fighters in the sport. Um, so you know. Those are certainly some of the guys uh, that are that are up there. Um, you know, on a on a second tier, you got guys like uh, like Adrian Broner uh, and Lucas Matisse, uh, maybe even a Guillermo Rigondeaux, who a lot of people don't know, who's a very um, good technical fighter. Um, also in that first class, on a large, you got a guy like uh, like uh, Gennady Gavalkin, who's uh, who's mm-hmm. the um, Who's uh the best middle probably considered to be the best middleweight fighter in the world? Uh, he's he's got a huge fight. Yeah, everybody's uh, scared of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's everybody's a guy. He's up. a boogeyman. Yeah, that's what they call him the the boogeyman of the boogeyman of boxing. He's he's kind of got a reputation like a um like a Mike Tyson like Mike uh you know in his in his early years he's a guy who's knocking out a lot of guys and a lot of guys are afraid to get in the ring with him because he's he's. He's just been a, a knockout artist, but uh, he's up there. Um, you know, and, uh, in terms of medium, you probably got another, a guy like Miguel Cotto, who's on that next tier. You know, a guy who is who has previously been one of the best fighters in the sport. He's kind of rebuilt his reputation, rebuilt his status. Um, he's not quite on that on that top level, but he's sort of just right right below it. Um, so yeah, so you got to you got to you got to you don't have many guys at the top, but there are definitely uh, a few who have uh, who have sort of uh, you know risen above the uh, the competition, risen above the uh, the names to, to make themselves uh, elite elite fighters, elite names in the sport. Well, you and I are going to play with this, and so as we get back together, we're going to come for our own ranking, whether it's a small fighter in terms of <laughs> the lower weights or a middle uh, of the middle weights, or if it's just large, big, small in terms of their appeal, where they are. You and I, let's work on this over time. Come up with our own kind Definitely. of system. We started RSG. This is how we. This is how we do it. We'll, we'll come up with something. We got the main event. Folks trying to reach into their wallets, trying to figure out where they're going to put their money. Uh, folks are already arguing at the barber shop, getting their hair cut. Got their party <laughs> set up tonight. I got a couple of invitations going on. Man, it's crazy. The energy around this fight. Walk us through your impressions of the first fight, and then kind of how you you see the game plan has got to evolve. We're not going to get to you making a prediction yet. We're just going to have you just kind of talk about the things that they need to be doing in their game plan and kind of stuff around that. And then I do want to, because we we had this crossover, and we'll get to it at the end. Is you know Floyd Floyd finds a way to make some comments on things, and so he did comment on Ray Rice's situation, which was, 
get us into some other conversations that I know. Who's Ray Rice? Oh, uh, 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 I'm just Ray kidding, man. Ray, I was about to say, I like, yeah, I'm over, I'm over, it's early, it's early over here, but yeah, we all should know Ray by now, I'm like, not oh, good. Oh, man, you, 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 don't, I, need I, I, yeah. a, a, you don't need to be a football fan or a fan of sports to know who Ray Rice is. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I opened up and I said, anytime uh, NBC Nightly News with Brian Williams opens up with you before he opens up with ISIS, you in trouble. <laughs> you know, you you are nightly news and you leading the ahead of of a, a terrorist organization that everybody afraid of, then you in trouble. You in trouble, Roger Dale. So we'll 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 talk about that in a minute. But let's start with the first fight. And kinda you know, you and I talked a little bit about this, uh and you kinda going in this, but like give me a summation of how you thought about that first fight and then what does that mean for the kind of game plans and adjustments they need to make now? Yeah, well, the first fight is the reason why we're having a, a second fight because um, it was a it was a close fight. Uh, I, I I don't know of any um, writers who who um, who had McDonald winning the first fight, but it was definitely a lot. You know, certainly he won a number of rounds, and you know, if if you if you follow Floyd Mayweather over the last you know few years, it, it's not often that a, a fighter wins rounds against him even, you know, a guy like Canelo Alvarez, who was, uh, you know, one of the best fighters in the sport and maybe, uh, you know, arguably a, uh, a medium uh, or large didn't only won one round uh, probably or two rounds at most against Floyd. So Marcos Maidana came out in that first fight and he was, he worked behind his jab. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a guy who's, uh, who's trained by Robert Garcia, who's one of the most uh, well-known trainers in the sport uh he's he's been working with him for the last year couple of years uh just, just recent fights and Maidana showed some he showed some things that a lot of people hadn't seen before he was known as a um as a slugger as a as a brawler and he, he certainly slugs he certainly brawled but he also displayed uh he displayed a like I said a very sharp jab and early in the fight you can see he clearly troubled uh Floyd. Now Floyd. Floyd says that he he felt like he fought dirty, um, uh, which he, maybe he did. Uh, you know, he, he certainly he what he <laughs> saw in that first fight was that McDonough didn't show Floyd the kind of respect that a lot of guys had shown him before in terms of they were you know they were afraid to try to to hurt him or you know afraid to 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 maybe throw a low blow or throw something you know. McDonough had no fear of uh of Floyd. He came to win that fight and, and he acquitted himself uh pretty well. Um Floyd Floyd won he certainly won the fight. Uh I thought he won the fight very very clearly. Um I don't I think off the off the top of my head I, I sort of scored the fight something like hundred and sixteen or one twelve. Um Yeah, I think that was the same word. Yeah, yeah, basically like eight rounds to four. But um early in the fight you saw you saw Floyd actually have to um really defend himself. You saw that uh that he was in a, a little bit of trouble. Uh so that's that's why we have the uh the the second fight uh tonight. That's why we have the rematch because Maidana did um and going into the fight people didn't give him a people didn't really expect much from him, even though he was coming off of a, a big upset win against Adrian Broner. Um people thought that he was just gonna be a walk in the park for Floyd and and, and he turned out not to be so when that fight, the first fight was made, I was nervous. 
Because I saw it. Oh, yeah. Did. Get out of here. Uh, and, 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 and I was nervous. I, I thought it was on the Rocky against uh, Apollo Creed type thing. And I was like, this is not a cat. There's a few cats you don't want to get, and this is one of them. And I was surprised he took it. You know, and I was happy to see how he fought through it. But, yeah, I don't think some of those things are going to change in the second fight. But I like it. So, so they're making adjustments. So if you're in uh, Madonna's uh, corner, what do you do more of? What do you do left of? If I'm in, you're in Floyd's corner, well, what do you do more of? And what do you do left of? Well, if you're in Madonna's corner, you, you realize that, um, like I said, that, that he got a very good start to the, uh, the first fight. Um, but he kind of, uh, I don't know if it was a stamina issue. I don't know if it was because of the adjustments that, um, that Floyd made. But uh, he didn't. He wasn't able to carry that same aggression into the later rounds. Um, so you want you got to want you want and, and and we've seen it in uh, in all access um, that Showtime has done that uh, McDonald has been working on his stamina. He's been working on being able to to be to fight every round like it's the first round. Um, so you go into the into this fight and and you say you want to do a lot of the same things that you did in the first fight. You wanna you wanna set up your power your power shots behind your jab. Um, that was the, the most surprising thing for Madonna was that, you know, that he used his jab to sort of locate Floyd to get him within his range, and then he threw those big clubbing clubbing shots after that. Um, and you just want to continue do, to do a lot of what you did in the first fight, in the first few rounds of the first fight, throughout the fight. You want to not give Floyd any respect. You know, that too many times guys are, you know, they – they kind of do what uh, Victor Ortiz did, you know. You're like, oh, you know, oh. You, you don't want to um, take it to him. And, and to, to beat him, that's what you got to do. So that's from McDonough's, um, the people in McDonough's corner, they've got to just stress that to him, the, the, the need to, um, you know, and most importantly, I'm sure in his training and stuff like that, is that, you know, you got to, he's got to display that, that aggressiveness throughout the uh the full fight, you know, not just early on. He he, he can't afford to get tired because a guy like Floyd, he's just he's just waiting and that's what he did in the first fight. He just waited, uh, sort of waited out um McDonald's aggression and and in the second half he took over and uh and forced his will on it. In and terms then, of, you know, a lot of these have promoted. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. So what oh, you yeah, going to say from 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 Floyd's perspective you got to do what you did in the second half of that fight. You got to you got to be composed. Yeah. Um, uh, we're gonna have a different uh, a different referee. Uh, they had Tony Weeks, who was a referee who a lot of people thought didn't necessarily do a great job. And, and Tony Weeks is one of the um, the more well known and better referees, uh, more well respected refs in the game. Um, we got Kenny Bayless, who is mm-hmm. arguably uh, because you throw the term arguably out there again, arguably. Um, the best referee, or one of the certainly one of the best referees in the sport, uh, we ex- we expect that he's not going to let any um, maybe some of the things that uh, Madonna might got got away with in the first fight in terms of um, some maybe dirty dirty shots or shots that were you know um, behind the head or something like that. He's not going to let that get away. But if you're Floyd, you just want to you want to do what Floyd does well. You want to you want to maintain your composure. Um, at this point in his career, Floyd doesn't use his legs. As much as he um, he did when he was younger, to um, for his defense, he's he's using that uh, that that uh, that patented uh, shoulder roll and little feints and stuff like that to um, to make fighters miss. Well, you want to do that, and and you want to just continue to um, to to press the use your press 
pressure pressure uh, made Donna, man. And, and I think, you know, and what people, and this is what I love about Broner that he doesn't get enough credit for because people get caught up with all the hysteria. And I always say that with both these fighters, uh, turn down the volume and just watch the action. Like, don't get caught up in all that. The one thing Floyd did, and I think it paid off later on, but I think he's got to establish it even earlier, is the, the short shots to the body. So the, 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 the kind of thing that forces Madonna to think about defense as well. And I saw in those middle rounds as he started building up on some of those short body punches when they were having those exchanges early on, he started guarding for some of those shots. And, yeah, I know in the all-access he talks about they, you know, they, didn't, they didn't feel anything, but you could tell he was respecting those body shots. Uh, I don't care how good you are. You know, you can take a lot in the head, but sometimes that body will take some energy from you. Do you think those body shots um, early on, uh, like I say, putting it in the bank, you see Floyd doing more of that work? Yeah, no, no, no. That's a, that's an excellent point. Um, you know, with a with a when you're facing a big puncher, um, you want to do everything possible to sort of take away um, their power, to negate their power, and 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 one of the ways to do that is to to attack the body. You know, uh, attack their uh, their foundation. You know, a guy is not so. Certainly, you expect that. Um, you expect that Floyd will do more of that. Um, anytime you you throw punches to a guy's body, though, you also um, it, it can be it can be dangerous. You you open yourself up. Yeah. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see just how much Floyd is willing to um to to focus on a body. But I think you saw a little bit of that, like you said, uh, which I think is an excellent point in that first fight. That um that that might have been something that contributed to um to Madonna not being as strong in the second half of the first fight was the fact that Floyd did target his body and, and Floyd is um the most accurate puncher in the sport. He's a great counter puncher um and he's a great um you know when he throws he doesn't throw a ton of shots in a fight but when he does he is very um he lands them and definitely uh attacking Madonna's body and uh focusing on that early could pay a huge dividend for him uh, later in the fight as uh, as he wears down his guy. Well, there's a lot. I mean, promotion is a lot of stuff. Floyd will always say something uh, that will uh, cause some conversation. And obviously we talked about Ray Rice, but you, like I said, again, when any subject is leading ahead of ISIS and, or ISIL or whatever, however they look at it, um, you know you got an issue that everybody is spilling out with in NFL. You and I talk a lot about sports. Um, you know, we both, uh, I think, have made a, a major commitment to our education and our own development. Um, the lens in which we see sports, we see it as part of the fabric of society, not separate. A lot of fans, a lot of people try to see this as a reprieve, but we know that there's a lot of intersection between the real world and sports. In general, what, you know, what, was your, what was your reaction to Floyd's comments with that? But as we see the stuff in the NFL and, and the social issues in the intersection of sports and Danny Ferry and all these different things where, you know, um, there are a number of reactions because of the way in which people come to understand their sports, uh, creates this kind of conversation. You know, what were some of your reactions when you heard Floyd? And, and, and what have you been reacting to some of these things, even around the conversation around Ray Rice and just, what it means to be connected and attached to a lot of these larger social issues. Yeah, I mean, I I have to admit, I definitely kind of uh, I cringed a bit when I uh, 
when I heard um, yeah. Mayweather's, when I heard Floyd's comment on uh, or comments on on the Ray Rice situation, um, he he later retracted those comments. Uh, you know, basically, sort of, uh, which a lot of people thought was him defending um, Ray Rice. Uh, he he later retracted those statements and said that he actually hadn't seen the um, the uh, the video that it seems like the world has. Uh, has seen by now the TMZ video of uh, yeah. of uh, Rice striking his girlfriend. Um, he he said that he actually hadn't seen that when he made his comments, um, and that you know that uh, that he wouldn't have said the same thing he said. Uh, basically, uh, you know, sort of uh, criticizing because he basically criticized the NFL for um, for changing their um, changing their suspension from uh, you know from two games to I, I guess giving him the uh, uh, what is it uh, basically. Uh, the indefinite, I think they might have. Indefinite, yeah. exactly. The indefinite. Yeah. So, so, so Floyd said that you know that uh, that he he wasn't aware of the of everything that had transpired. Um, so he he took that back. I mean, it's a tough thing, you know. His his um his advisor, whatever you want to call it, Leonard Ellerby, who's uh sort of said you know to end up eventually telling reporters you know please don't ask. Floyd about this issue. Floyd is a fighter. He's a boxer. Um, you know, we only want to discuss. Uh, they only want. They only want to discuss boxing related um, things and specifically things re- regarding that fight. Um, you know, it's a tough thing. You know, Floyd is not the only one who's made controversial um, something. Yeah. You know, controversial statements about it. You've, you've seen Paul George do it, and a number of other athletes um, say things that are. It's you know it's. It's a tough thing. I mean, you know, anytime you're, you're talking about um, the uh, the abuse of uh, of women, you know, it's 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 a very dicey very dicey subject, and these guys aren't any more qualified to to speak about it than um, you know than the average man. And 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 Floyd mm-hmm. made some some comments that you know obviously he he regretted saying. Yeah, and 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 one thing I just want to give a few minutes before we get to your prediction. Uh, because most people, I'm going to expand your brand a little bit here. Um, you're, you're a person, you know, you're a liberal arts educated young man. You know, uh, we both come from that small college liberal arts background, the value of that. And so, you, you know, you're you, you stretching a whole bunch of things. I know you watched the league, the NFL. What were some of your observations, some of your surprises, and some of the things that um, disappointed you when you watched uh, your NFL uh, football this past weekend? Yeah, well, I'm a I'm a I'm a New York guy. I'm a Jets, uh, a huge Jets fan. J E T S, Jets, Jets, Jets. I I, I got to get that out there. Uh oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> um, but uh, so you know, uh, it, it, it's so crazy. Everyone's talking about uh the whole Ray Rice situation. People forgot that uh football has actually started almost. It's kind of crazy, but um, yeah. it was. I thought it was a, a awesome first weekend in the sport. Uh, awesome kickoff uh weekend it was uh there were definitely some some sort of shocking results i i didn't i was uh i was shocked that the um that the uh pats that the uh the patriots lost in uh in miami mm-hmm. that i i certainly thought that they would um that they would win that game i was kind of um that was that was that was something that was a bit surprising to me i was surprised by the bears loss to at home mm-hmm. to, to buffalo uh, you know, uh, I know you're a Midwest guy. I, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. think you're a Bears fan, but um, 
I'm sure you. Yeah. No. No. I'm a Steelers fan. I mean, those. I that college sports where you were right. I just went over three. And you try to take me. You try to save me. Like you got. I knew you gonna come Midwest with this. I just took a beating on that one. All right, goodness, Michigan uh, State. Michigan oh man, Ohio how did State. you end up being a Steelers fan, man? I think you were Midwest all the way through, bro. Man, you know the Lions, man. They, they. I'm, I'm from uh, the Detroit area, uh, Southeast yeah. Michigan, A Square, and uh, the Lions have never. I always say, name a person who's coached the Lions and has gone on to coach another team. You can't <laughs> name it. You can't have an organization with Billy Sims uh, and, and, and uh, the great running backs that, uh, that, 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 that they've had in, in players and receivers and not win at some point. So that, that's true, true. True story. That's true, bro. That's, that's true. But we, we, know, we got a little bit of time here. No okay. prediction. Who, who, who do you got and why? Okay. Well, uh, and uh, just, just to let the uh, – uh, listeners out there know that they can find my prediction on Boxing.com, my official prediction um, in an article in a prediction column they ran um, yesterday. But uh, I am surprised, surprised. I'm picking the uh, the eight to one favorite, um, which I think a lot of uh, sports books have uh, Floyd Mayweather as. I think that um, I think he's going to win a, a decision. Uh, he's won decisions in, in something like nine of his last eleven fights. Um, He's won decisions, whether it be unanimous decisions or majority decisions. Unanimous, you know, obviously all all three judges agreeing or majority is uh, two out of the three. I think he'll win a unanimous tonight. I think all three judges will, will see him winning the fight. I don't think he's going to knock Maidana down. Um, I think it's going to be a fairly entertaining fight because I think Maidana is going to bring the same mentality, the aggressive mentality that he brought in the first fight. He's going to bring that back. Um but I think that uh, I think that Floyd's accurate shots are, are, are what's going to win the day for him. I think his composure, and I think that it's going to be probably. I think he's going to win the fight more in a, in a bigger way than he did the first fight. So I could see something maybe like a uh, 118, 110, or something like that. Basically, see Floyd winning maybe like nine rounds or, or maybe even ten uh, this time around. All right, you heard it. This is this is what's going on. This is one mic with D Bills on uh, with Teron Briggs, brother. Thanks for being on. I look forward to having you on again uh, man, on this, my pleasure, brother. this podcast, man. I appreciate it. And we'll we'll definitely have you on again and talk about other things in sports and you can follow him at Teron Briggs um on Twitter. Great follow. Uh where else can they follow you again? Uh, 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 they, uh to get you, like uh, you said on you can follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at uh at, at boxing.com, um, I, I'm in talks right now. I, I can't mention much about it, to, um, but uh, I'm sure the next time I come on with you guys uh, to, to write for another uh, a new new entry in the uh, in the boxing game, uh, a new website um, that uh, it looks like I'm going to be uh, working with um, in the future. So I'm, I'm really excited about that opportunity, and uh, and yeah, and just Twitter, Twitter's. Twitter's where I live uh, recently, man. So definitely, uh, everyone can follow me on Twitter. And it, 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 it's going to be awesome. All right. That's one mic, y'all. Catch us out. Go to realsportsguys.com to catch all of our stuff, some of our classic stuff. Get us up on iTunes as we drop each single on the album for your calendar year. This is Dean Wills. Till next time, one mic. We out.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.